Welcome to the Herbs with Rosalie podcast, a show exploring how herbs heal as medicine, as food, and through nature connection. I'm your host, Rosalie de la Forêt. I'm an herbalist teacher and the best-selling author of the books Alchemy of Herbs and Wild Remedies. I created this podcast to share trusted herbal wisdom so that you can get the best results when relying on herbs for your health. I love offering up practical knowledge to help you dive deeper into the world of medicinal plants and seasonal living. My goal is that you'll walk away from each episode feeling inspired to start working with herbs in your everyday life. Each episode of the podcast is available on my Herbs with Rosalie YouTube channel, as well as your favorite podcast app. Transcripts and recipes for each episode can be found at herbswithrosaliepodcast.com. To get the latest news as well as fun bonuses, be sure to sign up for my weekly herbal newsletter. Okay, grab your cup of tea. Let's dive in. I've been hearing about Oshala Farms from my students for a while now, and so last year I decided to place an order, check them out, and I was so impressed with their herbs, and I immediately knew I had to have Elise on the show. Herb farmers are amazing. Like, seriously amazing. It's so much hard work, and it involves a lot of juggling of many details. Hearing about this from Elise just gave me even more respect for this important work. For those of you who don't already know Elise Higley, she is a folk herbalist, wife, mother, grandmother, and farmer. With her background in Western herbalism at the California School of Herbal Studies and her husband Jeff's background in organic farming, they blended their dreams and created a full-fledged herb farm in 2013. Together, they own and operate Oshala Farm in Applegate Valley, Oregon, with 80-plus medicinal herbs in cultivation. Her teachers and mentors are many, including Cascade Anderson Geller, Rosemary Gladstar, Karen Aguiar, Terry Jensen, Lily Mazzarella, Autumn Summers, David Hoffman, Shana Lipner-Grovner, Jan Carlson, and of course, the plants themselves. In her downtime, 9 p.m. to 5 a.m., she helps with the Brighton Bush Herbal Conference, Terra Vida Herbal Symposium, and works on agricultural advocacy with Our Family Farms. She also hosts their annual herb camp on June 30th through July 2nd this year at Oshala Farms. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you. It's a pleasure. Oh, I'm so thrilled to get to meet you and talk with you, not only because I'm a huge fan of farmers, but because I've been hearing about you so much from word of mouth, and I've been loving the herbs that I've been getting from the farm. So it's very exciting to have you here and talk about one of my very favorite plants. But before we get to that, I would love to hear a little bit about your journey on this plant path. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. And that really means a lot because just knowing, you know, that people are excited to get our herbs and that you're thrilled to get them. It's, you know, there are little babies and then we send them off into the wide world and, you know, you hope they're loved and respected when they arrive to you. So thank you Mm -hmm. for mentioning that. So yeah, my journey with plants, it was funny when I, when we talked about, you know, being an herbalist and how you got that, I was like, oh gosh, that's such a like a, a word of it's pretty loaded, right? A lot of responsibility. And I was like, am I really an herbalist? I mean, I guess I am. <laughs> so I kind of started, I, my roots are at California School of Herbal Studies is where I studied. Gosh, I guess it's been close to 20 years almost now. 
And when I was in the classes there, I obviously was just so excited and thrilled about learning to have a relationship with plants and how they work with the human body and just having so much respect for them and how they work and started toying with making products and just, you know, had been making things for my friends and family ever since then. And, you know, we're, I was buying herbs in different places and just kind of, I wasn't really aware or tuned into like how and where they were grown, which kind of is ironic because my husband Jeff's background is in vegetable farming. So he was farming vegetables and I should have been more aware of that, but I just somehow was just enamored with the product making and wasn't paying that as much attention as I should have, or I felt like I should now. So when we moved to Oregon in 2010-ish, 11, I stopped my full-time job as a school administrator and started making products and came up with a tea line, an herbal tea line, and wanted to use herbs that were really from our region. So I was paying attention to really what herbs grew in Southern Oregon and was starting to source them in different places and was realizing that I wasn't really sourcing them from who was growing them, but they were from distributors, which kind of surprised me when I realized like how few herbs are actually grown in the U.S. I guess almost 90% of what's consumed in the U.S. is imported, wow. even like basil and nettle and things that we know grow here, but this are not. As we were talking to these different distributors, when they said, well, hey, if you're going to be growing that, let us know. We'd love to have a sample and see if maybe we can buy from you. And so that's kind of how our herbal farming world blossomed was from mm. this tea line of, you know, going to other places like Herb Farm and Pacific Botanicals and seeing plants grown in crop production, which I had not really experienced. That had, was only in vegetables. It was very eye-opening. My experience at herb school was seeing plants being grown at a garden scale in companion with other plant-loving, you know, companions. And I'd never had experience growing medicinal herbs at like a production scale and crop, row crops, which I didn't really even realize was possible until we went to visit, you know, some of these other farms that were doing that, like Pacific Botanicals and Herb Farms. So that was just a whole new experience. And with Jeff's background in vegetable farming, we kind of melded that experience of farming in rows and production and with medicinal herbs. And then the real game and challenge has been like, how do you grow and produce herbs at a scale, but also keep that quality and reverence for the plants. And so that when people who are herbalists and receive the herbs, they know and they see the quality and the difference and they are just like, oh my gosh, this is like what I would have grown at home myself. So it's been an amazing experience, you know, trying to figure it all out. And every year we're learning and growing and just <laughs> trying to make it all work. So it's been quite a journey. Well, congratulations on 10 years. Thank you. <laughs> so I'm just in my mind, I'm trying to picture what that must have been like for you and Jeff, because that, I get that he was a farmer before, but that's still like a big decision to be like, we're going to be herb farmers now. Do you remember, was that like a moment? Was it a prolonged discussion? Like, how did that come about? <laughs> Well, we kind of always joke that the herbs like just took us hostage and okay. somehow we were just like a vehicle. <laughs> that makes sense. Like, yeah, we have some weak links here. Let's make it work, you know? Yeah, I mean, we were for the first couple of years producing vegetables for farmers market and our community along with growing herbs. So that was the first couple of years of the farm because growing vegetables also helps you pay your mortgage and your bills. And it was a journey just to even get into our farmland, which I think is important to share that it was really hard to find clean soil to grow medicinal crops in. 
And we are dealing with a toxic legacy in the U.S. and really the world at large. And so it was super important to us growing medicinal plants to have good, clean soil. So that took a few different properties just to even find the right property that didn't have like DDT in it still, which is still, you know, it's been banned for 50 years, but yet it's still in our soil. So that is like one whole process. Then we finally found the land and it was like a bigger piece than we had anticipated, but we fell in love with it and it had all the you know, the great, the great soil, great water, great community. So we kind of landed in a space and then we had to figure out like, you know, how are we going to make this all work? So we like sold our really only good working car and bought like irrigation pipe and, you know, wow. all the things that smart farmers do when they're trying to smart to start a farm and then did like, you know, six farmers markets a week for the first like three years, actually wow. to try and make men's ends meet just so we could make that happen. And, you know, as about the third year in, we just decided like, we either need to totally focus on the herbs or we need to stop because this we can't do an amazing job at vegetable farming and herb farming. And so that was kind of the moment I think that we discussed the rest of it. We were already like, how do we end up growing so many acres of herbs? Like what's happening, you know? And, and so, yeah, we, like I said, we always kind of joke that the herbs had a mission and we were just for part of it. So I love that. It does. Yeah. yeah it makes total yeah. sense now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so now we have, you know, like 90 acres in herb production. Wow. So it's, you know, we're on 290 acres, but that is not all in cultivation. And then we do a lot of crop rotation and we grow, you know, 80 different varieties of medicinals. So we're doing a lot of changing around and switching fields so that we can have good soil health and good crop health, but keeps us pretty busy. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. That is a lot of land. That was actually going to be my next yeah. question. You said it was, the land was larger than you had first envisioned. And I was curious, like, did you grow into that? Cause I've seen that happen with farmers before, like, but it sounds like you did. Yeah, actually, the first piece of land was 113 acres. And then we had neighbors that were selling next to us. And then it was a good chance to buy that piece of land because it was right next to us. And so that's kind of how we've expanded. And as the demand was growing, especially we found, you know, during the times of COVID of people really wanting to source domestic herbs, we also wanted to stay true to our values of farming, which is leaving a third of the land fallow and not in production and letting mm -hmm. that land rest and regenerate so that we're not constantly trying to get the land to produce every year, but that she has time to rest. So that buying more land allowed us that opportunity to be able to do that. So we're really grateful for that, for sure. Hmm. Some of my favorite herbs that I've gotten from Oshala Farms has been aromatics, a thyme and oregano. Are you growing those as perennials mm -hmm. then? Yeah, so about half of our herbs that we grow are perennials. And I think part of that is just like, you know, keeping those aromatics is in the drying process and that it, we, you know, we harvest and we have the herbs into the dryer within 15 to 20 minutes of harvesting. Mm -hmm. So there's not a lot of lag time in that. And then just keeping it on a low enough temperature to not lose the aromatics, but a high enough temperature to also be able to pass all the tests that we need to pass to be able to sell and feel that we are, you know, putting safe herbs on the market. So hmm. which is game in itself. <laughs> so many moving parts. Yes. And just recently I've been, because I subscribe to your newsletter now, and mm -hmm. I see that you have a new mill and you're offering more of roots and like ground roots. That's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. It's a huge step. We've been really, you know, it's always been a bottleneck as we have been harvesting all those roots, but then we have to send them out to get milled and then they're not in our possession for months at a time. And, you know, mm -hmm. it's just been a game. And then also 
paying freight to send them down to a mill and then back to our farm has been challenging. So now we'll be able to mill. Uh, we are actually currently milling Ashwagandha today. Again, pretty, we're really excited to be able to have that opportunity and just, you know, we have a great team of people that work with us, about 20 people all together in, in the height of the season and about 15 of us full time year round. So, wow. Wow. How yeah. cool. Well, I'm just so excited about the farm and and seeing you grow, like getting the mill, I know is so important. So that's all just really exciting. And I know yeah. you have other fun things happening on the farm later this year. But before we get to that, I would love to hear about nettle and why you decided to choose nettle for your plant today. <laughs> well, I always say it's kind of my totem plant nettle, which today was a perfect example, but just that Sometimes I'm a little prickly up front and can sting you, but in the end, I'm really good for you <laughs> and a very nurturing, nurturing person. And I really am there to support you. So Nettle and I have a lot in common that way. But yeah, it just is one of the, one of the first, it is, I think the first crop that we planted on, on the farm. And I think we actually moved with about 250,000 starts of nettle, <laughs> believe it or not, in trays. And I know, I know, it was crazy. It was crazy. That was always our first harvest of the season too. So that'll be in May, we'll start to harvest nettle. And to us, it's like the beginning of the season because, you know, it's when we are like, cleaning out all the dryers for the first time again for the season and, you know, getting all the harvesting, everything's all around the first harvest of nettle. And it's just such an abundant plant and giving, and it is so supportive. And I feel like not only is it that way for my health, that plant, but it also has sustained the farm financially because, you know, now we have people year round, but in the beginning years, we could really only have our farm staff in like, say in March when we start or February into the greenhouse because we don't get paid until we harvest. Once that first, you know, we're paying for everybody to come in. Like now we've been paying for everybody all winter long where we're not receiving any money in until, until May, especially when we're doing only con contracts and we didn't have a website. It's just always such a gift nettle because I'm like, thank you. The nettle is finally bringing in some sales. And I love that we also provide nettle to the fresh produce departments. We work with a local Pacific Northwest distributor called organically grown company. And we sell half pound bags of fresh nettle. So they're in, you know, all the produce departments and I get calls from different herbalists saying, I'm so excited to see fresh organic nettle in the produce department. I'm making pesto now or whatever they're doing with it. So it's really fun to see. Wow. So, I, I have never yeah. heard of that. That is so awesome. I've seen <laughs> nettle at like the Ballard's Farmer's Market in Seattle, you know, uh -huh. occasionally, but I've never heard of it being in the produce department of the grocery store. Yes. Yeah. So well, cool. request it at your produce department. Maybe they'll, they'll start to carry it. So <laughs> that's so, yeah. so wonderful. Yeah. And then, you know, then the nettle seed we harvest later in the year mm. and then nettle root has been one that we haven't harvested a lot just because you know, when you harvest the roots, the plants are ending and I always have a hard time ending my relationship with the plants of nettle, but that is a well-loved part of the plant as well. So yeah. And then our nettles and the, you know, perennial stands, and we have about three different areas in the farm where we grow nettle because eventually over years, it'll start to not produce as much. And so we will then harvest the root and then plant another field of nettle someplace else on the farm. So mm. yeah, it's a good rhythm with, yeah. with nettle. I love the recipe that you shared with us, the spring greens tonic of, of vinegar yeah. nettle. And I can just, I can feel your love for nettle. I share that love and also that like springtime, like, okay, now it's time to make this nourishing tonic. 
Will you share a little bit about that recipe? And people can download that at herbswithrosaliepodcast.com and get the beautifully illustrated yeah. recipe card. But I just love to hear like your inspiration for sharing this with us. Yeah, I think my excitement about this is like kind of annual tradition of gathering nettle and making the spring tonic is just kind of like fire cider is as well. You know, it's something that you can do every year and that it brings so much, not just nourishing to the body, but when you're consuming it, but also just making it. So I feel like that's part of it. And, you know, I love to gather the nettles fresh. You also can use dried if you don't have fresh available. You also can use any kind of fresh herbs that are growing around your house and that you know are clean and healthy, like miner's lettuce or different plants that are growing. There's dandelion greens that are popping up now. There's beautiful violets right now all over the farm. So those are fun things to just add into this. You know, I just use a quart jar I fill it halfway filled with chopped different herbs. And sometimes I leave some bigger than others just because I like to see them floating around in there and enjoy the beauty. But then, and then I use, I think the biggest thing is just making sure that where you're collecting your herbs, that there's a good clean source, right? Like you're not getting it from the side of the road where they spray or something. And then organic apple cider vinegar. Actually did a fun class at our herb camp last year about making your own apple cider vinegar. So you can make your own or you can buy it. I always use organic and raw apple cider vinegar and just pour it over the herbs you know chop them up finely pour it over the herbs and you can just shake it every day make sure to label it that's just like one thing i'm sure everyone talks about making products making sure you label correctly i've always been taught to label on the jar versus the lid especially if you have lots of things and you're opening them and you take lots of lids off and then you don't remember which one's which you can also experiment doing you know one with all mixed spring tonic herbs and then another one just with pure nettle and see what kind of vinegar you like the best but and then i usually start using it in a few days but ideally i mean if i'm out but in a few days you'll start to even get some flavor and then i would say you know i usually do moon cycles but for four to six weeks whatever works for you you can strain out the herbs and then you can press those and sometimes i'll even add those into like soup broths or whatever because they're already infused with the vinegar and so it's great for having broths just throwing in those herbs that have been macerated in the vinegar and oh, um, yeah tip. use it for salad dressings or marinades you can you know dilute it in water and take shots of it in the morning or whatever so it's love that. My, my fun my fun spring tonic ritual <laughs> yeah oh lovely thank you for sharing that with us what are some other ways that you like to enjoy fresh nettle? Oh gosh. I mean, I kind of joke. I mean, my family, especially when the kids were little, they would be like, is nettle in this? You know, <laughs> like, of course it is. <laughs> so I do nettle enchiladas. I do nettle pesto. Gosh, what else do I do? I mean, I'm always freezing nettle too with olive oil just because then I can add it. I love nettle soup. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. So good. And what else do we do? I mean, pretty much anywhere like a spinach or a green could be used. I'll like switch it out with nettle. I mean, I put it in pasta sauces. I put it, I put it everywhere. So, and it's great to dry and use and to add, to add to things as well. So I think, you know, the fresh have a little bit more of the antihistamines and kind of the allergy relief, which is nice for the springtime for a lot of people. But yeah. Well, let's talk about dried nettle because it is so much fun to have the fresh nettle as they're going to start mm -hmm. popping up here in a bit too. And I, I wanted to reiterate the freezing of the nettle because I'm a big fan of that. I blanch mine, freeze mm -hmm. them in vacuum sealed bags, and then we get to enjoy them all winter long, which just feels really mm -hmm. important to have that mm -hmm. local nutrient dense food. We eat a lot of local foods here. We're in a farming community too. So, and we grow most of our own food, but it's like, 
it can be really easy to have like a lot of potatoes and winter squash and you know these stored beets, stored vegetables, carrots, etc. So that green those greens are still really important when there's snow on the ground here. So yeah, the, the fresh nettle is fabulous, but the dried nettle is so important. I don't know, I probably have more nettle dried even though I love it fresh. So let's, you said you can add it to anything. It does have a little bit different texture though, when it's dried. So do you have any like tips of, or exactly what you like to add it to or how you like to work with dried nettle? Yeah, I guess I just want to add one more thing on the fresh. It's interesting that you were talking about the blanching because I know in a lot of some recipes will say to, you know, blanch it first or cook it slightly because it'll take the stinging out. For my pesto experience, I just use it fresh. What about you? Mm -hmm. Because I feel like the grinding... I have, a pretty, yeah. I have a pretty good blender though. So maybe that's, or a well, a yeah, let's there. talk about that because so when I was taught about nettle, it was always like, you have to cook it first for freezing purposes. The blanching helps, I think, to keep it, you know, in that kind of like fresh state or whatever. I think that's important. But then for many years, I was told like you had to cook it because it was like bad to eat it raw. And then Actually, one of my very first podcast episodes with was with Rosemary Gladstar herself, and she recommended a nettle pesto, which did not involve cooking. And I was like, well, if Rosemary doesn't cook her nettle, then I'm not going to. And so <laughs> after that, I like fresh nettle pesto works great. And I even mm-hmm. I have a nettle cake recipe that I used to blanch the nettle and then puree it mm-hmm. and then put it in the cake. And after discussing that with Rosemary, I just went, you know, just pureed it skip I, i'm always in for what's simple so if it works right, for rosemary right. it works for me and it sounds like that works for you too so yeah yeah good thanks for having that conversation yeah i've kind of the same thing you see so many different variations of like blanch it not but i i i use it fresh and i used to sell you know nettle pesto at the farmer's market you know 500 containers a week and i never never had any problems with it yeah well that's, but, that's a very um, yeah. big like testimony so, for that so yeah okay. i didn't have anybody like, complaining i do have people complaining about you know reaching into the bag of stinging nettle from the produce department not knowing that it's stinging nettle i'm like it does say mm. stinging nettle on there so now we have yeah. a disclaimer like you know put gloves on <laughs> although sometimes people do call at the farm every once in a while like can I pay you to run through the nettle field? I'm into irritation and, you know, I'm like, no, wow. we're not allowed to do that. But <laughs> I love wow. that you're asking. <laughs> that could be like a side business, you know, like yeah. the, the special patch that's just for irritation. <laughs> I know, I know. Just found some, I don't even know if it's like some YouTube video or something. It's a farm in England that has a nettle, fresh nettle eating contest once a year. <laughs> they eat like this amazing amount of nettle. I was like, I don't know if we could get away with that, but it seems fun. So, but dried nettle. Yeah. Let's talk about dried nettle. All right. (laughs) Let's do it. Yeah. I mean, I do rehydrate a little bit if it's, I usually just put it in soup recipes if it's drying or I'll grind it and make a powder and I'll use it in like directly on something as like a sprinkle, like a gamasimo or something like that. I'll Mm. add it in or mix it like with you know, like with a smoothie or something, then I use the powder and I just, you know, pow- I just use the powder and powder it up that way. Or I'll put it, I'll put it in dry and put it in a smoothie because I feel like it kind of rehydrates enough, but mostly in soups and things that I'm using the dry or obviously tea because I love, I love dried nettle tea. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I feel like the dried nettle tea, especially that 
like strong nourishing infusion where using an ounce of the herb to a quart of water and steeping that in hot water overnight feels like somewhat of a like an herbalist rite of passage and it's something that I teach my students and it's so interesting how many people start there are people who drink it first like right off the bat and they're like I love this but there's also a lot of people who like liken it to swamp water or grass clippings or other things that you wouldn't necessarily say mm, that's delicious but what's really fascinating to me is that people grow the people who grow to love it and it's just like their bodies have you know it's like you start drinking the nettle and maybe you know it's not it doesn't taste like you're drinking apple juice or whatever but right. it's like the body begins to crave it because it's just mm -hmm. this incredibly nutrient-rich tea that's so lovely even though you could you know say it tastes like swamp water i definitely <laughs> feel that now of like when i taste it it just tastes like nettle to me and it is like i feel like all the cells in my body sing when those first mm. sips come yeah. in do you yeah, often I, do the strong infusion do you do more simple teas yeah i i go back and forth with simples and blended teas i mean i make herbal blends and sell them so <laughs> but i am a huge proponent on my own kind of ritual is i just i pick an herb for the month or two and then i just like you said put an ounce in a jar and i put you know i put hot water over it and let it steep overnight and then i kind of grab that to go for the day because i don't find personally that i'm really very good at making the time to sit down for a cup of tea so i have to just like grab and go and then i find that i'll drink that quart of tea because i have it and then i see it's not you know <laughs> i didn't drink it all so then i was like oh i have to finish it and i love using the french press sometimes i'll just put it in a french press at night and then i'll just press it out in the morning but a lot of times with nettle i'll just eat the nettle after I, when I, as I'm drinking the tea, I'll just leave all the bits in there and just, you know, put that cooked nettle because it's already been dehydrated all the time. So then I just stick that on my rest of my food for the day or whatever. So, you know, get to use it all. <laughs> Do you have any favorite herbs that you like to pair with nettle? Like when you're making a tea blend? I mean, you know, an all time favorite is nettle Tulsi, of course. So, mm. so lovely together. And I think that does help people who have an aversion to the nettle flavor. I, I'm kind of like you. I, I mean, I really love the nettle flavor and taste, but you know, Tulsi can win anybody over. So that is true. <laughs> not many people who don't like Tulsi. But <laughs> so yeah, it's a favorite. We have a, a, a blend, it's nettle, Tulsi, half and half, and then a bit of borage just for the energetics of courage. It's called be good to yourself. And mm. I've got that borage in there to kind of give some courage because sometimes it takes courage to be good to yourself and also adds mm. a little salinity to the blend because be a diuretic and so yeah just keeping it keeping it in so lovely i don't know elise if we talked like why someone would want to like undergo nettle stings and you know why why would anyone want to try this plant in the first place <laughs> the nettle stings like why they would want well, to like, why like people more? you know because some people might be like stinging nettle why oh, would you right. want to eat that or drink it or have anything to do with it Right, right. Well, I mean, I think we talked about all the, like, you know, nutritive, high in iron, high in minerals, like all of those parts of the plant are just so nourishing. So I feel like it's like a staple as far as nourishing and fortifying the body. Like for me, that's like, I go to like, I'm feeling like, okay, I need to stay strong. And I got, I have stuff to do. Like it's always like nettle is probably, probably as a farmer, that's probably one of my go-tos. And then of course we kind of touched upon like the antihistamines of the plant, which, you know, it does have a lot of allergy support, which I think, you know, 
that draws. I think probably most people know it from that. The stinging, like with the the ertification we kind of talked about was like people will do like a flogging of the fresh plant and it creates welts. That's the stinging part. So anybody who has an experience stinging nettle on fresh and being stung, it has this like kind of welting effect on your body that keeps lingering for hours, <laughs> but it does give, you know, you have all this stimulation. And so especially people with arthritis, that's kind of a tradition. I guess it's a European, I don't think it's very popular in America, but <laughs> do you know yes. some background on that part? <laughs> I learned of it as a European tradition. Interestingly, they've done studies on this, which I just like, it just cracks me up every time I think of it. Can you, can you imagine like, we're looking for people who are willing to be flogged with nettle. It's part of a study. Right. Sign me up. But it turned out, it turned out well for, I think there, I've seen two studies, one on thumb, like osteoarthritis pain and one on knee pain. So, Mm -hmm. but yeah, old, old European tradition. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, lovely. Well, yeah, so many reasons to love nettle leaves. And you mentioned the seeds briefly. Would you want to say a few words about the seeds? That's something that Oshala Farm sells is nettle seeds? Yeah, we do sell nettle seeds. And it's interesting, right? Because like you said, it's like you study one thing and then you turn another way and then you learn something else. And I think the more you learn about anything, especially with herbalism, what are they, the joke about herbalism is as many herbalists are in the room, that's how many opinions you have on Mm -hmm. something. So, you know, I was taught don't harvest nettle in its seed state because of the alkaloids, but then also we harvest nettle seed and that's for, you know, another customer. And I really had never experienced nettle seed consuming that. And so I was excited when we had an interest for that and we started to harvest that plant for the seed and, you know, you're researching like, you know, what people are using for and different things. And a lot of it was kidney support, but I was like, it very can really energize people, especially if fresh. So I thought, okay, well, I'm going to try it because I've never tried it before. And, you know, we're eating the seeds out there as we're harvesting and yeah, that stuff. I mean, it is strong. It is really, Hmm. really strong. (laughs) Like I remember the end of the day, hadn't eaten anything full of energy, kind of wired. And I was like, what's wrong with me? It was like, I had like, you know, a pot of coffee or something and I don't really drink coffee. So I was like, oh my gosh, it was the fresh nettle. And of course I had to like try it again because I wanted to make sure that's what it was. So I think it's, you know, kind of advice for people who are maybe adrenally having issues or stressed to not be that great. So I don't know. I'd love to hear your thoughts on nettle seed too, and what your what your take is. Well, those are that's pretty much what I know it for. One, the kidney support, which I just recently had David Winston on the podcast sharing about nettle seed specifically, and he told a great story about how nettle spoke to him about mm-hmm. the, the kidney support, and then yeah, that that bolstering of energy as well, which you mentioned gamasio before, and I've had, you know, put nettle seed in like gamasio blends. And one question I get a lot with nettle seed is what's it look like when you're harvesting nettle seed? Because there can be some confusion there in terms of, anyway, I'll let you take it from there. (laughs) Yeah. So when we're harvesting nettle seed, it's in the calyx. So it's kind of got this covering on it and it's before it goes to the stage where it's actually could germinate it's kind of like a chartreuse green 
I wish I had a picture to show you because it's so beautiful, but we might have one on our website somewhere, but it's, it, it is interesting too, because you're having to go to the plants and hand strip and harvest all the nettle seed when it's in it right, it's right stage. So it's not like you're just like stripping all the, and the seeds come in these like clusters, almost cones. And so you're kind of hand stripping the, the seeds off of it while you're saving them because they're super tiny and small <laughs> little seeds. And then we're cleaning and winnowing that off of the rest of the flower. Yeah, it's this green chartreuse color is when it's really at its peak potency for medicinal purposes. Wonderful. Yeah. Thank you for that. I'm sure we can, we'll, we'll have put a photo up by now. I'm sure for those yeah. of you watching, we'll find one. Yeah. One of my favorite times, James from Nature Spirit. I don't know if you've ever spoken with him, but he's a beautiful person. He was doing a farm herb walk on the farm last year, I guess it was. And we were talking about the nettle plan and he was talking about it. And I was just admiring it. It's one of the, I mean, the nettle on our field never, it, you don't always get to see it so high because we're harvesting the aerial tops and then we let it go to seed and then we're cutting it down again. But this particular plant was probably, it was probably eight to nine feet tall. I mean, it was off to the side of the field and it's where kind of all of us like to hang out with this plant. And he, we were talking and the pollen was poofing off the, off the plant. Oh, wow. And he was talking about it using it in smoke blends. And I remember thinking, is that plant smoking? Like, what is it doing? <laughs> but he said, it's just a certain time with the temperature and everything the way it was, it was just like, poofing little pollen and it was like, you know, spreading around, but it was so fun because it was like the plant was interacting with our conversation and everyone was kind of looking at it like, is this really happening? You know, we're, we're, our eyes are looking back and forth at each other. It was really fun. So that <laughs> yeah. is fun. I've never seen that. What a, like, yeah. what a moment to have. I know. I know. And right when we were standing there next to the plant talking about it. So I think it liked it. Yeah, <laughs> it obviously. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I have a question about the farm. I'm wondering, do you do pre-orders at all, or is it all just kind of like you go to the site and order what's available at that moment? In the winter time, up until early spring, we take pre-orders for herbs that we don't have in stock. And that's just basically emailing us and letting us know. It's usually for anything over, I think it's three pounds is our minimum for pre-orders, just because it takes us time to go back and forth and talk with you. And then we let you know that it's in stock before we put it on the, on the website. But if it's anything less than that, you can just get on the, on a wait list on the website and we'll let you know right away when it's available. But the pre-orders are especially for, you know, manufacturers or people that are relying on herbs for production. And we want to make sure that we continue, like, you know, continue having to be in a steady supply for them. It also helps us plan our whole crop plan because as you can imagine, it's like, you know, this whole mad formulation of trying to figure out how much to plant of every plant and making sure we have enough and then figuring out what the yield would be plus the dry down ratio for each plant is different and that we have enough to last us till the next season. <laughs> so, and then, you know, sometimes you have a customer who comes in and buys all of it and then you're out for the whole season. So it's a whole guessing game. So if you get your pre-order in, then we kind of know that we can supply that for you and make sure we plant enough for your needs. So that's how that works. My best friends are farmers, but just what you just, so I feel like I know a little bit about the farming world, but what you just explained to me, I just feel like, wow, okay. There's <laughs> a lot going on here in terms of everything that needs to be thought of. And then the plant families, because it's like, you know, sometimes, you know, we grow a contract for medicine making companies and, or, you know, body care product companies. And it's like, they want you to grow a certain amount of certain plant, but maybe we already have, a lot of that plant, a lot of that plant family, like the Asteraceae family already 
in the field and we don't want to plant, we don't want to plant too much of one plant family or another so that we can make sure that we have good health in our plants. So it's just the human race, like we want diversity. That's the strength, right? Is having diversity. Plants are obviously the same way for the health of the whole farm and for the planet. Diversity solves a lot of problems. So, yeah. Um, it's really wonderful to hear all that you're doing with a, you know, with the size of the farm that you have, because I am more familiar with, you know, smaller farms it's just really impressive all all that goes into it all the difference like you're saying the fallow fields the diversity yeah all of it i'd love to hear what you have going on you know for herbal offerings for folks yeah the thing i'm probably the most excited about is kind of what we're what we were talking about the importance of just kind of having a closer relationship to the farm and the way the plants are grown out in the field and i know a lot of people don't have the honor of being able to like be with live plants and especially so many of them at once. So we do have the herb camp once a year where we open up the farm to people camping and they don't have to camp. We do have camping like bell tents that we put up for people that are coming from out of the area that can't bring a tent, but it's a chance to get to, and then we invite teachers from really the Pacific Northwest and then a few from the rest of the United States come in and we get a chance to really work with plant medicine right out on the farm. So it's a little bit something different that we can offer. I feel like that was one of the things I loved about the California School of Herbal Studies is that there was a garden and that we got to go in and garden. And I feel like in the herbal world, sometimes you know we don't get to be with the plants enough. And so it's really great to be able to give a whole weekend for people to experience plants in the field, make medicine, fresh plant tinctures and all of that out there. And then just even sitting out in the field with a whole field of echinacea or half an acre of Tulsi you're sitting with, you know what I mean? It's just really, it's wonderful to get to, you know, go around and see actually how many plants you do know out there, you know, and having a connection with them. So, and then you get to like geek out with a bunch of other plant lovers and play music and have fun herbal mocktails and fun stuff when we do mm. the marketplace and just a kind of that just creating community because I think we're a lot of really good fun people out there all these herbalists so it's good to get together <laughs> once a year and also for us to get a, a chance to really enjoy and take back the beauty and kind of just rejoice in all the hard work because I feel like as a farm you know you know with farmer friends it's like we work really hard and a lot and a lot of times I feel like we don't sit back enough and just really enjoy the space because mm. we're always working and making sure things are getting done. So it's a weekend for us to relax and hang out and be with other herb lovers. So that, that I'm, that's like my whole like highlight of the year is the herb camp. <laughs> oh, I love that. So you said it's a weekend yeah. and about how many people come? It's usually about 150 people. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's lovely. So. And it sounds like it, it's kind of like, it sounds almost like an herb conference, but maybe like a little bit more like flow to it. Maybe like, is there like certain classes that you show up to at a certain time or? There, there is a morning workshop and an afternoon workshop, and then there's different okay. activities. So we start on Friday and we do a whole farm tour and we go like in the dryers. We do have a, like a farm growing track kind of for people. Cause we do have people that are there that are other farmers that just want to learn or herbalists who want to grow their own herbs. So we try and help out on that end and get people more connected. And then we also have a lot of our buyers come and audit us that weekend, which is kind of an interesting, fun thing, but it's their chance to get to do a farm visit and check off that they've actually seen what's going on at the farm once a year and know that we're doing what we say we're gonna do. 
And then they also get to have a really great fun weekend. So that's fun too. So we do a special kind of audit walk with some of our buyers that need to do that. So, because, you know, we do have, obviously if you're buying herbs from us, like you should feel comfortable going to any farm that you buy herbs with and know that they're doing what they say they're going to do or, but also we're a full production farm. So it's kind of nice to get some kind of notice, but you know, you should be able to go and check out where your herbs are being grown and feel like you don't have to, yeah, shouldn't be a closed door. <laughs> so. Yeah. And then there should be music and mocktails too. So I mean, like, yeah, because so. why not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If we're all there together. So yeah. And what are the dates for the camp this year? Um, for 2023, it is June 30th through July 2nd. So it, yeah, it's up on our website, which is oshalafarm.com. And can you describe where you're at? Because some people might be, I'm sure right now wondering, like, I want to go to that. Where yeah, do I yeah. go? Yeah, we're <laughs> we're in Southern Oregon. So we're in between Ashland, Oregon and Grants Pass. Our address says Grants Pass, but we're really in the Applegate, which has no ad. We don't have a zip code. So, <laughs> so we take oh, Grants really? Pass. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Medford Airport is where you fly. And we actually get people from all over the states, which is so fun. It's really great to see people from all over. So yeah. I can see why. What a just really fun, informative experience to spend time with the plants, spend time with plant people, making plant medicine. And yeah, and just the ability to see all of those plants growing too. It's just really special. And at that time of year too, I know that kind of just after the summer solstice is, I know in my garden, just like peak time with so many, so many plants going on. Yeah. I always kind of joke that unfortunately, whenever it's looking its best, we're harvesting. So I'm always like, don't harvest <laughs> It looks amazing. I can't say anything because then we're harvesting. Jeff's like, isn't that the point? We harvest at like the peak potency. Like it looks amazing. It's, you know, we're harvesting. I was like, just enjoy it for a few hours, you know? <laughs> I completely understand that because I have a very hard time getting stuff from my garden and I end up I, I grow over a hundred medicinal plants, nice. but I don't harvest all of them because yeah. I just can't. And so I'll end up ordering them from wonderful places <laughs> like Oshala Farms so that I can, and some things like astragalus, which I know that you have, I couldn't grow enough astragalus for right. me and just me and my husband, there's two people, but we go through so much astragalus. Mm-hmm. And so that would be rows and rows of astragalus right. for us. I can't do that in my little garden. So yeah. it's nice to be able to know I can get them from places where I really trust and then enjoy my plants. Right. <laughs> I know the there's, there's the healing of that too, right? Like having that connection. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I think that is, that's wonderful. Yeah. We have some, we have some garden spaces too, where you're at the end of the row and you're planting out a plant and you have 50 extra somethings, you know, skull cap. It's like, I know a place where it could go. So yeah, we have some spots like that, which is pretty nice. fun. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing about Nettle and sharing about the farm and sharing about Plant Camp. Before you go, I'd love to ask you the question I'm asking everybody in season eight. And that question is, what has been your big, your most important herbal mistake? Mm. <laughs> the most important herbal mistake that we probably made on the farm was when we grow to the scale we do, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of books or guidelines on, sometimes it'll say, could make people photosensitive, photosensitive, you know, be careful or whatever, but it doesn't happen to many people or whatever. Could, could be slight allergies or something like that. But we had a harvest of rue and it was kind of a lot. It was 600 row feet. 
And, you know, we told everybody, you know, wash your hands after because it could pe make people photosensitive. We were doing, we were harvesting calendula afterwards. Nobody seemed to have any problems. The next day we got a phone call from somebody and they said, do you want the good news or the bad news? And I was like, what's going on? It's like, I can't come into work today, but the good, that's the, the good news is that, what is it? My profuse vomiting has nothing to do with this blistering rash on my stomach. And I was like, what? You know, I called the poison control and this is what they said. I was like, what is happening? So we ended up calling some other botanists and herb scientists and asked like, what could be happening? And they're like, oh yeah, the rue. Yeah. That'll, you know, make sure at least the good, you have comfrey so you can just keep slapping the, the comfrey on there, but it's going to last a while. And you're going to think it's not going to ever go away, but after a few months, it'll be fine. I was like a few months. So <laughs> I always joke that is that maybe how they came up with the term you rue the day because <laughs> like, is that really like what happened. I don't know. So that was probably our biggest mistake we've made. Wow. Just, it was just yeah. one person that reacted that no, badly. No, that badly, but about four people had a reaction of blistering rash. Oh, wow. Yeah. So is the moral of the story use gloves when harvesting rue or? Yes. And just make sure when you're taking those, I mean, we still have people that harvest it. We haven't haven't had any problems since that time, but it's just that it, it exudes this kind of milky liquid. Nowadays with COVID, people are even more more avid about washing hands. But I think in those days, people were just like, oh, I washed it a little bit and it was fine. Yeah. So it's really, you have to get rid of it once it's on you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Gloves are hard because with some, I mean, if you're using disposable, we don't really use disposable gloves on the farms to try and limit our plastic intake, but you know, sometimes with planting too, stuff can break. And so, but yeah, it's a beautiful flower and a beautiful plant, but it's a strong one and lots of lessons to be learned for sure. Always learning. Yes, you know, that is a you know, being reminded of having reverence for the plants. <laughs> yeah. So hopefully nobody's harvesting that much rue that it will matter. But you know, yeah, just being aware. So yes, I grow rue in my garden, and it's one I I just admire the beauty of rue. You you uh -huh. mentioned Elise the, that you try to limit the plastic on the farm, and I'm so glad you mentioned that because I had wanted to mention how much I appreciated getting herbs from Ashala Farms and having them in paper bags. That was really cool. And then there's instructions on there, like put this in a glass jar once you get it. So that was just great. And it was just really wonderful to have it come in a paper bag and have, you know, no plastic in there. So thanks for that. Yeah, of course. I know it was kind of a bold move at the time. We were hoping we got a, lo a little bit of flack, but mostly love from it. So <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Well, well done. Thank you. And yeah. best of yeah. luck for this growing season. And with plant Thank camp, you. that sounds really fun. It's yeah, herb camp, so. actually, but I like your plant herb camp better. I feel yeah. like maybe we should change the name. <laughs> yeah, I, I just pulled that from somewhere. Sorry about that. I yeah, love herb it. Camp, I'm like, hmm, I like that. So we'll, we'll <laughs> be, be able amazing. to have you down sometime. It would be amazing. So yeah, it'd be wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. And we do farm tours every month too, just to put that out there. So Oh, you know, okay, cool. yeah, we do far farm tours May through September, I think is when we do farm tours. So, oh, yeah. If I lived in the area, I would come every month because there's something new every month. <laughs> well, I'll have to lure you sure. down to Herb Camp some year and get you down here. It'd be really fun. So, yeah, it'd be wonderful. Yeah, yeah thank good. you. Thanks so much for your time. Yeah, thank, thank you for you. your time, Elise. It's been wonderful. All right, well, take care. Thanks for being here. Don't forget to head over to the show notes at herbswithrosaliepodcast.com to get a transcript of the show. There, you'll also be able to sign up for my weekly newsletter, which is the best way to stay in touch with me. 
On the show notes page, you'll also find convenient links for the many places you can find Elise. You can also visit Oshala Farms directly at oshalafarm.com. If you'd like more herbal episodes to come your way, then one of the best ways to support this podcast is by subscribing on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. I deeply believe that this world needs more herbalists and plant-centered folks, and I'm so glad that you're here as part of this herbal community. Also, a big round of thanks to the people all over the world who make this podcast happen week to week. Nicole Paul is the project manager who oversees the whole operation from guest outreach to writing show notes to actually uploading each episode and so many other things I don't even know. She really holds this whole thing together. Francesca is our fabulous video and audio editor. She not only makes listening more pleasant, she also adds beauty to the YouTube videos with plant images and video overlays. Tatiana Rusikova is the botanical illustrator who creates gorgeous plant and recipe illustrations for us. I love them. I know that you do too. Christy edits the recipe cards, and then Jenny creates them as well as the thumbnail images for YouTube. Michelle is the tech wizard behind the scenes, and Karen is our student services coordinator and customer support. For those of you who like to read along, Jennifer is who creates the transcripts each week. Xavier, my handsome French husband, is the cameraman and website IT guy. Thanks to Rising Appalachia for their beautiful song, Resilience. Find more of their music at risingappalachia.com. It takes an herbal village to make it all happen, including you. Thank you so much for your support through your comments, your reviews, your ratings. I read every review that comes in because they're like a little herbal love letter that brightens my day. Like this one. I especially enjoyed the episode about the three ways of herbs that are healing. As a seasonal allergy sufferer, two thumbs up for the nettle for the allergies episode. I used strong nettle tea this year for the first time, starting a couple of months before allergy season, and I found my symptoms far more manageable than they have been in the past. Do you love this podcast? If you leave a review for me on Apple Podcasts, I may be reading your herbal love letter on the show next. Okay, you've lasted to the very end of the show, which means you get a gold star and this herbal tidbit. Well, first of all, herbalists love to love nettle. It's nutritious and it's medicinally powerful. To date on the podcast, I've interviewed Rosemary Gladstar and David Winston about nettles. I've also released two solo videos on nettle. If you haven't listened in already, check out all of those episodes for lots of info plus delicious nettle recipes. Some people will tell you that growing nettle in your garden is absolutely bananas, but I do it and I love it. Nettles are some of the first greens to show up in the springtime and I love having them nearby so I can harvest them really easily. To grow your own nettles, it's often easiest to transplant them from another existing stand of nettles. They will grow and spread easily from their roots. Because of this spreading ability, I grow my nettles in a container raised bed where they can't escape, at least through their roots. (laughs) Or if you don't already know of an existing stand, you can buy nettle seeds and then start your own. Nettle leaves like to be harvested when they're young. If you harvest them at the leaf node, they will branch and continue to grow. In this way, you can get several cuttings from the same patch. Nettle also loves to be severely cut or mowed down. 
they will grow back for yet another harvest after you do that. Grow your nettles in super rich soils. I put more compost on my nettle patch every year. They also like a bit of shade and lots of moisture. Enjoy your fresh nettles.